In this lesson, we are talking about the signs and symptoms of gout. If you want more information on how gout is diagnosed and treated, please check out my full lesson on this topic. So gout is an inflammatory monoarticular arthropathy. Inflammatory, so it involves inflammation. Monoarticular, which means one joint, mono meaning one, and arthropathy meaning a disease, pathy, disease of joints. So it's a condition involving inflammation of one joint most often, but it can involve more than one joint in some cases. Now, the reason gout occurs is because there's deposition of monosodium urate crystals within that particular joint. So those monosodium urate crystals come from uric acid. So they are uric acid crystals. So having high levels of uric acid in your blood can lead to deposition of these uric acid crystals in joints. So oftentimes early on in the disease process, a patient may have hyperuricemia, which is high levels of uric acid in the blood. And in these cases of hyperuricemia, most often they may not have any symptoms at all. But in some patients, the high levels of uric acid can lead to uric acid crystal deposition into joints causing a gout attack or a gout flare. We're going to talk about the signs and symptoms that occur with a gout attack in the next slide. Once the gout attack or the gout flare has resolved, there are certain symptoms that can occur after the flare has resolved. And we're going to talk about those complications in this lesson as well. Now, gout is a relatively common condition. It affects 1% to 4% of the general population, and it primarily affects men older than the age of 30. So greater than 90% of patients who have gout are going to be older men. So this leads into the risk factors for getting gout in the first place. One risk factor is being of the male gender. Another risk factor is older age. The third risk factor that can be modifiable is certain foods and beverages. So certain foods and beverages, particularly red meat, seafood, alcohol, sweetened beverages, these can all lead to higher levels of uric acid in the blood. So these are important dietary factors that can increase the risk for getting gout. Some medical conditions can also increase the risk for getting gout, and these include obesity, diabetes, and chronic kidney disease. And then taking certain medications can also increase the risk for getting gout, and these include medications like aspirin or azathioprine. So now that we know what gout is and what causes it, let's talk about the signs and symptoms of gout. Now, we mentioned that hyperuricemia, or a high level of uric acid in the blood, can be something that occurs in patients who are asymptomatic. But when a patient does develop symptoms, they have what we call a gout attack or a gout flare. So the big symptom that's going to occur in a gout attack is joint pain. So this is that inflammatory arthritis we mentioned before. It is inflammation of a joint, and you can see in this image here that this joint is very inflamed. What will be noted is that the joint will be red, hot, swollen, and tender. So red, as you can see here, it is hot. If you were to check the temperature and compare, this joint will be much hotter than this joint. It is swollen. And it's very, very tender to touch. If you were to actually touch it, it is very, very tender. The joint is often stiff, so in trying to bend the joint or flex the joint, it can be very difficult. And with the joint pain in a gout attack, there's oftentimes a sudden onset of severe pain, very severe pain, with maximum intensity of the pain that occurs within 24 to 36 hours of onset of the pain. And this sudden onset of severe pain can occur at night and it can awaken the patient from sleep. So it can be very severe and occur at night, awakening the patient from sleep. We mentioned this before, but oftentimes the joint pain in gout is monoarticular, which means that it only involves one joint. But in some cases, it might involve two or more joints. And some common joints that can be affected in gout include 
the knee, as we mentioned here, we show this image, but the big toe can also be affected. And if the big toe is affected in gout, it's called podagra. The ankle, elbow, wrist, and fingers can also be affected. Now, the big toe is actually the most common joint that is affected in gout. And gout attacks can be triggered by particular factors. A lot of them we talked about before in the list of risk factors. So some of them include dietary factors. So eating lots of red meat or seafood or drinking lots of alcohol. These can all lead to a gout attack. Cold temperatures is also another trigger for gout attack. So cold temperatures can lead to a gout flare in susceptible individuals who have hyperuricemia. So the cold temperatures can lead to a precipitation of monosodium urate crystals causing a gout flare. Stress can also lead to a gout attack or a gout flare as well. Injuries to particular joints can increase the susceptibility of those joints to be affected by gout, and surgeries can also increase the risk for a gout flare as well. Now, while in a gout attack or a gout flare, a patient may develop a fever. They may have an increase in their body temperature. A mild fever may develop in patients during a gout attack or a gout flare. It doesn't necessarily have to happen, but it could, and this is due to inflammation of the affected joint. So if the gout flare is severe, this can often lead to the body mounting a fever because of the inflammation in that particular joint. Malaise and fatigue can also occur in gout patients as well. So malaise is a feeling of being generally unwell. So just feeling unwell or feeling ill can occur if a patient is experiencing a gout flare. Fatigue or feeling very tired can also be something that can occur with a gout flare as well. And this is generally due to an inflammatory state. So the body's undergoing some severe inflammation in a particular joint. This can make the patient feel unwell and tired. Now, after the flare starts to resolve or has completely resolved, I note this as the post-flare or asymptomatic period. Now, although I say it's asymptomatic, this doesn't necessarily mean that patients will not have any signs or symptoms at all, and we'll talk a bit more about this in a moment. So the affected joint in an acute gout flare can have or experience joint pain for up to 10 days on average. And then after the resolution of the gout flare, there's often a relatively asymptomatic period that occurs that may last for months to years. So asymptomatic meaning they don't have any symptoms at all. They might have an asymptomatic hyperuricemia. However, in patients who have had a gout flare, they're at an increased risk for having even more gout flares in the future. In fact, three quarters of patients will experience another flare within two years. So the majority of patients will have another gout attack in two years time. And oftentimes the future gout attacks will involve two or more joints. They may become polyarticular, involving more than just the one joint. Now, in the post-flare period, the joint can still feel uncomfortable or there can be some joint discomfort. So again, this occurs after the gout attack has resolved and it occurs in the joint that was previously affected by the gout flare. You can imagine that if there has been crystals deposited in the joint and there's been severe inflammation and pain in that joint, it may take time for that joint to recover. So there can be some discomfort that lasts for a while in that affected joint. Additionally, the skin overlying the previously affected joint can also have some changes as well after the gout flare has resolved or while it is resolving. One of them is skin itching. So this is known as pruritus. So the skin overlying the affected joint may become itchy as the gout flare begins to resolve or has resolved. So because of all that inflammation and swelling, the skin 
overlying the affected joint can become irritated and become itchy for the patient. So the patient can have itching sensation on the skin that overlies the affected joint or the previously affected joint. There can also be skin peeling that can occur. So desquamation of skin can occur over the previously affected joint as well. So while the gout flare is resolving or after it has resolved, the skin overlying the affected joint where there was a lot of swelling and inflammation can start to peel. And this is something that we can also note in patients after an acute gout flare. So this can occur as a gout flare resolves along with the pruritus we mentioned before. Now, there are some other signs and symptoms that can occur after having gout for a longer period of time. One of these is known as tophi. So these are called gouty tophi. They are a chronic manifestation of gout or advanced gout. So they are clinical findings that occur in a patient who has had long-standing gout and what we would call advanced gout. More specifically, it occurs in patients who have chronic or poorly controlled gout or poorly controlled hyperuricemia. And tophi are the subcutaneous nodules of urate crystal deposits. So subcutaneous meaning they are under the skin and there are little bumps that can occur. So these are little bumps or deposits of urate crystals that have deposited in certain areas of the body. And some of these include the ears. We show an image here of an ear having gouty tophi. These tophi can also be found in the fingers, tendons, and joints. So we can see in this image here on this patient's elbow, a larger tophi. So oftentimes these can occur in patients who have not been treated for their gout. So if they've had gout and have not been treated, they can lead to tophi or these uric acid crystal deposits in certain areas of the body. And kidney stones are another complication that can occur in patients who have hyperuricemia and gout as well. Kidney stones are also known as nephrolithiasis, and these kidney stones are made up of uric acid. So they're uric acid stones that can be formed within the kidney. Again, this is due to increased uric acid in the blood or hyperuricemia. So these stones can develop in the kidney. They can be passed through the kidney into the ureters, through the bladder, and out the urethra. So they can be cleared from the body, and patients who are experiencing kidney stones can have signs and symptoms of kidney stones, and these include flank pain. So we would call this renal colic. There's a colicky pain that fluctuates. So if there's a stone trapped in the ureter, there's wave-like peristaltic contraction of the ureters. And every time the contraction hits the stone, that causes pain. So with each wave-like contraction, as the wave gets closer and closer to the stone, the pain starts to go higher and higher. And then once the wave passes the stone, the pain starts to go away. So this is what we would call renal colic or colicky pain. And then what is noted is that the pain from kidney stones, that flank pain will also radiate into the groin of the patient as well. And then the patient can also experience hematuria, which is blood in the urine. You can imagine that if there's a stone in the ureters and in other parts of the urinary tract, that stone can cause irritation and can cause bleeding from the urinary tract, which would be noted in the patient's urine. So these are some signs and symptoms of kidney stones. So if you want to learn more about how gout is diagnosed and treated, please check out my full lesson on this topic. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe for more lessons like this one. Thanks so much for watching and I hope to see you next time.